Good evening. Welcome tonight. Tonight, let's take a look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and follow along with Paul's prayer for others. We've been talking about questions on prayer. Um, we see here some examples of how to pray for others. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 11, it says, To this end we always pray for you. Just in general, when you see this at the very start of an epistle, what do you suppose the we is and who do you suppose the you is? He says in verse 11, To this end we always pray for you. This is the start of an epistle. So who do you suppose the we is? And who is the you? You got that from verse 1, right? All right, so the intro tells us who the letter is from. And who do you suppose the you is? Okay, the believers there in that uh, town of Thessalonica. It's always hard for me to say that, but you know what it is. Um, so Paul is praying for believers. He's praying for believers that he has had either had the opportunity to minister to or he's ministering to through this letter and it's certain things he wants to see happen with them. So we start there. He's praying for believers. We mentioned last week that, that there should be some believers that we're praying for. We can pray for unbelievers. We can pray for, and we already talked about that, how, how we might be instrumental, God might bring the gospel to them because no matter what their issue is or what their problem is, you can name no matter what their problem is, I guarantee you they don't have a more serious problem than their eternity. So, what do you suppose we should be praying for for believers? What in general would be a good prayer for believers? Mm -hmm. All right. For what purpose? There you go. That's our whole purpose, isn't it? To bring glory to God. So we should pray that that happens in each other's lives. Let's see how Paul um, prays, prays for them. We're in first, second Thessalonians, sorry, verse 11 and 12. Verse 11, to this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. There's the first part. Make you worthy of his calling. That's kind of a, and and. Interesting statement, because none of us are ever, ever worthy of what Christ has done for us, right? But in what way will Paul mean that, to make you worthy of his calling? What did you say? Faithful, yeah. Now that he's called you, live in consistent with what he's called you to. And what has he called you to? Well, he'll go on with that, but we know, we know that he's called us to to live in, as Mickey said, in such a way that brings him glory. And that way is to, to live obedient, holy lives. Um, second part, and may fulfill every resolve for good. That's an interesting prayer to read. Fulfill every resolve for good. Some people have different um, desires, different things they want, longings. And he's praying that everyone for good be, be fulfilled in them. 
So as we follow Christ, it kind of gives us a, a, uh, an example as prayer. What can we pray for? Whatever's good. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> in, in essence, he said, everything that, that brings, um, brings you to glorify God, you can pray for. So tonight, you can pray for everything that will bring glory to God, everything that will help you glorify God, everything that is good. You, you're free to pray for that. And uh, we can see of that what God would desire for his own will. So um, may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Every work of faith. I think about some specific works of faith that we can pray for tonight in, in regards to sweet communion. There, there's many works of faith. Every time we try to get the gospel, every time we teach the gospel, whether it's truth seekers teaching our children, that's a work of faith, right? If you don't have faith, Brian's been talking about um, going through Hebrews 11, uh, then, then it's in vain. Um, but we, we are teaching the gospel, and um, we want to see those children come to faith in Christ. We want to see them uh, live for God's glory. There's other works of faith that's going on. Uh, we have a service coming up, and, and uh, the children are part of that. Um, different parts of ministry are preparing uh, for our Resurrection Sunday, um, whether it's music part. Uh, I know I've been involved in that. We just came from practice there. Um, we have um, um, evangelism starting up. Um, here at Sweet Communion, and that's a work of faith. We have individual discipleship going on uh, between us. That's a work of faith. We have our own testimonies um, where, wherever we are and wherever we go, whether it's in our, on our jobs, in our neighborhoods, whoever we interact with, um, we pray that um, that might be a, a, a work of of, of faith going out to, to give the gospel out uh, or to bring glory to Christ in some way. So he prays for that. Every work of faith, notice he, he puts the end on there, by his power. We want to see um, God's power exhibited. Uh, we can pray for this work. and We've been challenged on uh, this 25th year of our ministry here um, to, to, to be faithful, to continue on, and to do things in God's power and through God's power. So we can, we can continue to, to pray for ourselves and for each other in that regard. And then he gives that last part of verse 12. So that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. That kind of wraps up what we started, started off talking about, doesn't it? So that. I, I, oftentimes in the New Testament we'll see that phrase, so that. And that, that kind of, uh, it's kind of a summary phrase. The first statement is in order that this might happen, to complete this, this other statement. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Paul's prayer um, for other believers. And we can pray for each other in that regard. Um, so let's, let's be reminded of that today. Let's remind ourselves that uh, everything we do is a work of faith, trusting God to, to work in us and through us and that God might get the glory of, of all that we live for and all that we do.
Good evening, Saints. Book of Hebrews. He starts to give examples as to how we can live out our faith. He first talks about what faith is. Now, faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was committed as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, a reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. few things you can do when you meditate on this passage. First thing you can do is you can look at how verse 1 sets a theme for the whole rest of the chapter and how each of the ones that are mentioned fulfill verse 1. The other way you can look at it is you can take each individual character and look exactly what happened with them and look at how they fulfill or act out faith. But I think starting with verse 1 is the best way because it doesn't disconnect what you see from each verse from where it came from. So when you look at verse 1, it gives us a meaning for what faith is. What is faith? Faith is the evidence that God has already saved us in eternity in the future. Faith is a solid proof that God has already done a work. And will do a work and will complete a work. It says, for by it, the people of old receive their commendation. Now, how is that an example? They look forward to God's work even though it hadn't been done. We're going to go through all the people of old, but they all thought that God would do something that he hadn't done yet. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What does that have to do with verse 1? Things not seen making the present sustain. Right? What is not seen? Well, some people mistakenly look at it as saying he's talking about atoms and invisible things that we need microscopes to see. That's not what he's talking about. Who is he talking about? The only wise, the invisible God who cannot be seen, nor can he be touched, but he's always there. Since he cannot be seen or touched, it's miraculous to us that he made all the things that we do see or touch. And beyond that, anything that exists, that does exist, had to be created by him. 
we understand that's the power of faith. The power of faith is he acted and we see. What is not seen creates an effect that we do see. By faith, Abel offered to God. Why did he offer? Well, you might say his act was an act of faith, but how was it an act of faith? Because he knew he would be accepted. He knew he would be accepted. He had faith that God's law would be upheld. He had faith that he was doing what pleased God because he obeyed God. He had faith that God was faithful to his word. Cain didn't have that faith. Cain thought that he could do what he wanted to do, that God would somehow change his word because Cain wanted him to change his word. We got a lot of people like that in the world who want to do what they want, but then want God to stamp his stamp of approval on them. That's what a Cain is. That's the difference between Cain and Abel. They both offered their best. But sometimes you have to tell somebody your best is not good enough because it's not what God requires. Another man, he was told by the prophet, dip yourself in the river. He said, man, I could do better than that. And the little servant girl had to tell, hey, hey. He didn't ask for you to do that. If he told you to go and climb a mountain and defeat a dragon, you would do it, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. All he telling you to do is dip in the river. That's all you got to do. It's hard for people because they don't want to think of the simplicity of what faith is. But the simplicity of faith is saying, I rely on God, not me. I think salvation will be easier if we could say, you have to climb this mountain. You have to perform three acts of miracles. And then you got to walk across this river on top of it. It'd be easier to get people to be saved if they could somehow just do it because they don't want to have faith. They want to see what they do. But it is hard because what is invisible affects the visible. People don't want to see the invisible. People don't want to see God. People want to deny what you can't see. Oh, I, I wasn't thinking nothing bad about you. And you can never really pin them down because how can you say what their thoughts was? But God sometimes reveals the thoughts. People don't like that. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He lived forever because he trusted God. In many ways, Enoch was the example for all of us. Enoch was an example for all of us because he lived in such a way that he had faith that God gave him eternal life as he gives eternal life to all of us. But Enoch was the first to trust God that much that God just took him. He walked with God. In many ways, you could think of it in this way. Enoch restored man to what they should be because in the Garden of Eden, what did Adam do every day? He walked with God. What did Enoch do? He walked with God. And then he was not because God took him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. The drawing near only becomes 
possible because the invisible first happened. You can't see me believe, but you can see me draw near. By faith, Noah being known, what of events yet unseen? Again, verse 1, right? Unseen creates a flood, but he didn't even know it, right, yet? He didn't even know that there would be a flood. There had never been a flood like that. There had not even been rain. But he believed in what he had not yet seen, and that's what faith is. So that's what our meditation is. Driving the truth into our heart. That's what meditation is. Meditation is thoughtful prayer. In many ways, it's self-focused because it's saying, God, me and you, just me and you. What is your word saying to me? What is your word? What do you want me to do? So we have to ask ourselves that as we read this text. Knowing what faith is, what must we do? What are we being called to? How should we live differently? How should we think differently? What kind of men and women should we be? If we don't ask ourselves that question, we're not meditating. We're not focusing on God's word. We're distracted. It's easy to become distracted by all the things that we see and ignore the big invisible. Amen. Good evening, everybody. <clears throat> all right, I want to do something a little different today. Um, what I want to do for the corporate prayer time is... I'm going to take five minutes, um, and what we'll do is just, um, during this time, however you felt led to prayer, to pray, let's pray, but like, let's focus on Resurrection Sunday, which is coming up. Um, I know we've talked about it in the past, but like, this is like the important holiday for us. You know, we celebrate Christmas, and we do the presents and stuff, but this is really when Christ, you know, sacrificed himself for our sins. You know, this, his death and resurrection, um, which is really when he had won the battle. So, um, however you feel led to pray, I'll just have people pray. Um, and I don't care if it's all of us, that's fine. Um, but I'm going to take five minutes. If no one prays, I'm going to sit here quiet for five minutes. Hint, hint. So, it's taking five minutes. And then I'll close this in prayer. Lord, we just um, come to you. We come to you praising um, Resurrection Sunday this Sunday. Um, we just glorify you um, that you have come to be the atoning um, payment for our sins. You were up in heaven, and you were with God in paradise, and you came down to this wretched world um, in order to suffer and to die for us because of the love that you have for your people the love that you have for us. Um, it's almost unfathomable to think of uh, the sacrifice you've made. But we also marvel in your power and your, your glory that you are the only being that has allowed itself to die and then resurrect itself um, to show that it's power over life and death, to show its power over um, sin, and just to show its victory um, to Satan, um, who has been here to bring us down and is the accuser and is constantly... Um, bringing this world away from you and trying to just uh, dilute and poison your perfect creation. 
uh, we think of this time as um, a time when the world wants to uh, pull our attention from you with Easter bunnies and cute baskets of candy and eggs in springtime. But we know that the real, um, the real praise is you, and the real praise and focus should be on you and what you have done for us. We ask that when those people come to church and any church all around this world that are just the Christmas and Easter part-time goers that just show up for those these two important services, that this be a service that you really speak to them, that you break them down and um, open their eyes and their hearts to their need for you, um, that this isn't about just two days, but this is about a life change and their need for you constantly. We ask that you just continue to do a mighty work through this church, do a mighty work in our um, society, in our country, and in our world. In your name we pray, amen.